Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you are on the throne today. You are alive forevermore, Lord, and your greatness is on the earth. It's right here. It's right now. Your blood will never lose its power. Your blood rises high in the earth right now, Lord. Right now, as we are in this room, the blood of Jesus Christ just rises high amongst us in our midst. And it's the blood that will never lose its power. It's that blood that has come this morning to overcome every evil, every fear, every darkness, every torment, every torture, every discomfort in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This is your house. It has been and it will continue to be a house of prayer. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. All righty. You all right? Everybody all right? Good. That thing that might be distracting you is my timer. I've put it in a two-phase. It's what I did when I was on TV. So I put it in a two-phase. It'll give 75% for me to cover my bulk of my message. When it turns yellow, I have 10 minutes to get done. Then it'll go to red. So now that you know, don't let it distract you anymore. Okay. <laughs> it's set for a total of 50 minutes. It'll be done. All right. The church moving forward, part four, opportunities to take. Opportunities to take. So the theme for this entire series that I've been preaching came from Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, and we've read it every Sunday that we've come. Pretty much Paul is saying, don't consider me having accomplished everything. You say, I'm not boasting like I got it all together, but I say in this one thing, moving forward, I press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I am moving forward. We are moving forward. We are in January of 2020, and this has got to be a significant year for us in terms of breakthrough and growth and personal development and all those good and wonderful things. This is our year. Yes. You believe that? Yes. This is our year. This is, I mean, you, you need to claim it over yourself. This yes. is my year. This is, my this is when I break through. This is when I break out of the rut, the mold, the staleness, the old. This is when I break out. 2020, I am moving forward. So we started and we, there were some things I gave you to consider in week one, two, and three. In week one, we looked at challenges that we have to accept. Simply that as we embark on a new walk, there are going to be things that's before us. Don't think this is going to be a cakewalk. Every time you set your heart to do something new, what? there's going to be an obstacle that won't rise up against you. So we have to accept those challenges. You want to hear more about that? Go back to that sermon. It's on YouTube. It's on the podcast. Challenges we have to accept. Then we went on to enemies we have to defeat. And in that lesson, we talk about the enemy of ignorance, the enemy of uh, unbelief, the enemy of uh, sin, the enemy of apathy, you know, just that, I don't feel like it, I can't do it. And then we went on to dangers we have to avoid, dangers of division and sectarianism. And, 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 and again, go to that message, okay? I won't repeat it now. So today, I want to us to look at opportunities to take as we move forward let's seize upon the opportunities that are around us uh, now that we're in this 21st century the church should take note of several marketing firms and the kind of attitude that they have towards gaining this 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 market share uh, uh, growing themselves expanding and some um, marketing firms they all seem to have this one slogan, so to speak, in various forms, they pretty much say the same thing, that the future belongs to those who see possibilities. 
the future belongs to those who see possibilities. When you don't see possibilities, you're going to have opportunities that are missed. That would be a natural conclusion, right? Um, stories told about this very cautious man who, uh, he never laughed, he never played. He never risked, he never sang, he never did anything. And so when he, did not, when he died, his insurance denied his claim. And they wanna know well, why would it? He said, well, he never lived, so therefore he never died. Oh. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is that the church has many opportunities before it. We must take advantage of them. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Let's do that real quick. My stuff is taking forever to load. Anybody got it there faster than me? Five Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Walk circumspectly, redeem the time, seize the moment. Don't walk like foolish people, as he says in Ephesians, but rather as wise people, redeeming the time. So go with me then to, uh, let's see, Revelation chapter 3. Verses 7 and 8. Revelation 3, 7 and 8. <clears throat> Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key to David. What he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. Yes, yeah, 7 and 8. I know all things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obey my word. You did not deny me. What is, what is the writer getting at here? Getting at seizing the moment, doing all you can do. So I want us to look at what the Bible tells us about opportunity. Uh, think together about the opportunities that are before us. So let's, let's have this discussion. One, the ability to see opportunities is the key to any success. The ability to see an opportunity. Entrepreneurs, business people, wealthy people, rich people, prosperous people, productive people, the one thing they have in common is to see an opportunity. See something and grab a hold of it and kind of just ride that pony all the way in. Look around you and see things that are going on and see how maybe you could better it, how you could enhance, how you could improve. Um, just taking a, a sidetrack here. One of my hobbies, one of the things that I like to do and I've done for several years is develop technology or stuff. Just filing patents, developing product filing patents. And I have patents that have been approved by the U.S. Patent Office, U.S. government, for things that I've developed. I say all that to say this one thing. To every successful patent that I file and have, 
It was because I looked at something that was already in existence and I thought there's got to be a better and easier and more effective way to do this. And so I developed product. I have patent products, water-saving devices, several things that you don't even have a clue about. They're at my house. The certificate is there. It's written. And one of these days when I retire from doing this, I'll build me an old woodshed somewhere in the backyard and have my own research lab and bring these market to product, or maybe for the next generation. But that's one of my hobbies, to look at something and realize we could do that better and just go after it. So what am I saying? Seize the opportunity to do something different and to do something better. So as we go through this message, I'm going to apply that to the church. How can we do better in the church? How can we seize an opportunity as Christians in this church and make things better? What is our market area? What, where's our strength? What, what, what business are we in? That's what, that's, that, at the end of today, that's where I'm going. What business are we in? Hopefully, I'll bring that to your attention here in a little bit, and then we will capitalize it because we are in a business. Jesus saw an opportunity to encourage people in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. And in the interest of time, I'm not going to read it. <laughs> so read it on your own time. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. Jesus saw an opportunity and he seized upon it. And the opportunity in that scripture has to do with winning souls. Again, keep at the back of your mind, what of our business? What, is our, what business are we in? What business are we in? I'll give, I'll give you a hint. Kingdom business. Kingdom business, kingdom business. That's the business we are. We're in the kingdom business business, all right? Keep that at the back of your mind. So some might say, well, they like to Jesus, well, he's busy, don't bother him. Jesus saw an opportunity. Mark chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. Want to go there? Mark chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. He saw an opportunity. And he says, and when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogues. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hand? Is this not the carpenter's son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? Are they, uh, and they were offended at him. What is he saw an opportunity amongst his people and he demonstrated his powers and his ability amongst his people. What are we doing about the business we're in? Are we taking opportunities to pray for people and to lay hands on the sick and to proclaim and command healings and blessings and to command the forces of darkness to be driven back? What Are we doing our business? Are we doing our business? That's my question. Are we doing our business what what we're called to do are we taking advantage of the opportunities we are confronted with listen we have three fields that surround us every single day three three specific categories of people are around us every single day are we doing our business we have the influence of being surrounded by friends we have the influence of being surrounded by co-workers we have the influence of being surrounded by families. So what we got here? We got friends, co-workers, and families. Which one of you don't have that contact in any given day? 
Not a one of you can lift your hand. Are we doing our business? FCF, friends, co-workers, and families. Are we telling them about the gospel of Jesus Christ? This is our business. Are we sending the message that Jesus lives, Jesus cares, Jesus saves, Jesus delivers? Are we doing our kingdom business? In Mark chapter 6, verses 41 through 44, our paraphrase that faith was the scripture with respect to the feeding of the multitudes. And he saw all these people downtrodden and, and stranded and, and scattered out there and, and following after him and they had nothing to eat. And what, what did Jesus do? He used that opportunity to kind of install his feeding ministry. He took the loaves and the fishes and he broke it and he fed them and there were baskets and baskets and baskets. Are we doing or business opportunities to take are you seizing on the moment every moment whenever you can wherever you can however you can are you seizing on those moments to spread this message they had been following jesus for many many days mark chapter 10 verses 46 through 52 right walk in faith he was healing the sick what is he doing he's doing kingdom business opportunities to take kingdom business so what now we have a just a while ago feeding the multitude now we're in this scripture what are you doing healing the sick every time there is a sick person around that's an opportunity for you to show for jesus look you might be more daunted by the fact that well if i lay hands on him and he doesn't get sick doesn't get healed or stuff like that 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 wouldn't look bad at me no it's not looking listen until you start calling in your name Nothing ain't gonna look bad on you. God has his infinite wisdom and divine purpose in every situation. You pray, your job is to pray. Your job is to lay hands. Your job is to command. I don't know what God gonna do in any situation. If I was to add up the amount of times I prayed and nothing happened, then I would be a total failure. But the amount of times, even though less than number that I prayed and absolute unmistakable miracles happened, my faith is in that one time. Going every time I walk into a situation, this might be that one time. This might be that moment again. This might be this one moment where God will demonstrate his power and his might and break forth. And boy, what a time for shouting that would be. It will drown out every time nothing happened when I pray. Are you with me? What business are you in? Jesus saw an opportunity to teach. John 4:35. All these scriptures I'm quoting here is just scriptures of opportunities and things that he did. An opportunity to teach. He taught his disciples to open their eyes and look at the opportunities surrounding them. All right. So, all right. Secondly, principles involved in taking opportunities. We need the ability to see them. We must be looking. If you're not looking, you wouldn't see. If you're not looking, you wouldn't see anything. Think about that. That sounds like a real simple, simple statement. But if you're not looking, you won't see anything. If you're looking for an opportunity, you'll find one. It's just like people who are looking for trouble, they usually find it. <laughs> see, that makes sense to you, right? That makes sense. The other things sounded kind of mundane and humdrum. People looking for trouble find it. We say it all the time. Let, let, me, let, me, let me take that statement of our remote and put a new one in. People looking for an opportunity will find one. If you look for it, you'll find it. If you don't look for it, you won't find it. You usually get what you're looking for. Mm, boy. 
Many can't see opportunity because it goes around disguised as hard work. You sometimes kind of drown opportunities. Well, I'm working hard. Hard work is not an opportunity. Hard work is hard work. Look for an opportunity while you're doing hard work to change the dynamic of that to make it become productive. I developed a product because I was trapped with a situation that kept me on edge all the time. Just kept me on edge all the time. Kind of nervous energy when you have to take care of somebody and you don't know what they're going to do. And in this case, it was a person who had a certain amount of dementia. And oh so often, she almost burned down the house several times. And so you're afraid to leave them alone. And I looked at that, and I looked at that, and I looked at that, and I said, Lord, there's got to be an easier way. And so I developed a product. And it's real simple. When she goes to the kitchen, and she turns on the stove, everything is okay. Everything is fine. If she gets forgetful and absent-minded and walk away, as long as she's not in that kitchen, the stove will turn itself off. When she comes back, it would reignite itself. That was born out of looking at something like this. Gotta be another way to do this so I don't have to be constantly following her all the time. You, you hear what I'm saying? God says He gives us the spirit of witty inventions. I want you to pray right now for witty inventions. People come up with all kinds of silly little stuff that makes them millions and millions. I just happen to come up with stuff that costs millions to bring to me. <laughs> Instead of little simple, simple stuff, my stuff costs gaboos of money to bring to market. But the simple stuff that changed our lives, like the guy who invented the paper clip, he was playing with a piece of wire one day, twisting it in all kinds of funny shape, and that became the paper clip. That thing you can't do without to hold your papers together was something somebody was doodling with in their hand. See the opportunities around you. You have to be looking for it. Some people say, I can't do it. Others say, it won't work. You need to be willing to take a risk. You need to be willing to fail if you have to. Failure is not just isolated failure. Failures are successes disguised as gems. Here's what failure teaches you. Remember the guy who invented the telephone or the electricity or any of these guys? Remember those guys? How many times they tried? The guy who invited the light Edison who, invited the, the, who invented the, the light bulb? Something like a thousand tries? But he never gave up. He never gave up. He knew that there was something there and he just had to do it another way. So each of the time that he failed prior to the one time that he succeeded, guess what he understood? Next time, don't do it that way. That's what failure teaches you. In life, circumstances, in marriage, in whatever you're doing, a failure ought to tell you, well, okay, that's one way we're not going to do it again. You know? If you put your hand through something and every time you do something, come down and stamp you on your hand like that, you ought to have enough sense to say, don't do that again. Just don't put your hand back there. Right? 
All right, so we say it won't work, it can't work, I'm afraid, you know, <laughs> you know the old maxim, can't, never, could do nothing. <laughs> right? You've heard it. By your response, can't, never, could do nothing. Every time you talk about I can't, never, I can't, never do, I can never, can't, never, could do nothing. You won't get anything done. You gotta say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, I can do all things. My mind is such a powerful machine. It is so, I mean, you ought to be afraid of me. This mind is so powerful. This is one dangerous weapon. Well, never mind. Don't say a word. This is, this is what, this is a dangerous weapon in the hands of the wrong person, but it's in the hands of the right person. This mind that you have that Christ has given you, this mind which was in Christ Jesus also now lives in you. So you have the mind of Christ in you. You have a powerful, powerful source of energy, a creative force inside you that can turn this world upside down. Let God rule your mind. What is your business? Kingdom business, that's your business. Are we going to find ways, creative ways, to do our business? Yes, we would. First um, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says simply this. For we labor not in vain. For all that we do, I'm paraphrasing. Don't consider it nonsense or worthless. For we're not laboring in vain. There is a purpose to what we do. First, first Corinthians 15, 58. Sometimes you may have to sacrifice money. Sometimes you may have to sacrifice sleep. Sometimes you may have to sacrifice time. But whatever it takes, seize the opportunity. Seize the moment. Seize the opportunity. Seize the moment. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Anybody got it? I just want to paraphrase it. I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's the least you can get by with. When you want to seize an opportunity, sometimes you have to become sacrificial in seizing an opportunity. Romans says, Present your bodies, present all of this to God as a reasonable sacrifice so that you can prove, so that you can discover, so that you can find a revelation of God in what you're trying to do. Present this whole body unto God, acceptable, which is your reasonable service. If you're looking and you present yourself to God, your time, your talents, your energies, God will use that and create ways for you to become inventive in what we do. So opportunities before us. What are the opportunities before us? Every generation has its own evangelistic opportunities. There was a people before me, they had their time. There's this people now, we have our time. And there will be a future generation should the Lord tarry, and they will have their time also. Past generations did what they, they did. I cannot bear full responsibility for the next generation. I can only bear full responsibility for this generation uh, that I am in now. 
in an article in the Harvard Business Review. It's called Market Myopia. And what Market Myopia is talking about is how some people don't understand the business they're in. Anybody know what the word myopia is? Anybody who wears glasses should know what myopia is. Myopia is a word for short-sightedness. When you get your diagnosis for your lens, they talk about ocular myopia. <laughs> Boy, I look like I'm talking Greek right now. <laughs> okay. Myopia just talks about short-sightedness, right? And so Harvard was talking about market myopia, that, that people don't see the business that they're in. For example, the railroad people, back when we invented the railroad, they didn't realize they were in the transportation business, else they would have got into airplanes. The telegraph company didn't realize they were in the communications business, else they would have seized all the telephone patents. Sometimes we don't see the scope of what we're in. We don't see fully the business that we're in, right? <laughs> so, so we need to ask ourselves some questions. So I'm getting to the heart of my issue now. We need to ask ourselves some questions. It should focus on what we ought to accomplish. And the question I ask as a general cover question is, what business are we in? In order to seize the opportunities in front of us, opportunities to take, I must first ask myself, what business are we in? Anybody want to shoot out at me? What business are we in? Because the only way you're going to seize an opportunity as a church is to understand the business you're in. What is your business? What are the business we're in? Hmm? Are we in the entertaining business? No. We're not in the entertainment business, right? No. We are in the business of building the kingdom of God. In other words, kingdom building. That is my business. That is your business. These are the opportunities we have to take. We are in the business of kingdom building. Kingdom building involves several things. Evangelism, spiritual maturity, developing faith in God's people, teaching the word. These are assets of the kingdom business. So let's look at the first one that I just talked about, evangelism. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Mark 16, 15. Anybody found it? And he said unto them, go into all the world, all the world, and preach the gospel. So part of kingdom business is what? There you go. I didn't hear you loud enough. Say it again. Part of kingdom building is preaching the gospel. How many of us here are preachers? Let me see your hand. Every last one of you, you're preachers. Everybody raise your hand. You're a preacher. You are a preaching machine. Listen, you don't preach like me for 50 minutes or an hour or 20 minutes, but you have a preaching inside you. Did you realize this morning that Pam preached? It was in the form of testimony. 
What did, what did Francis Assisi say about preaching? He says, go preach the gospel. And sometimes, if necessary, use words. Listen to that again. He says, go preach the gospel. And sometimes, if necessary, use words. In other words, what he's saying, let your life be a living sermon, a preaching message. Take every moment of your opportunities. Seize the moment. Capitalism, seize the day, seize the moment. Evangelism is a part of kingdom building. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 15. Another aspect of kingdom building is developing spiritual maturity. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 15. Who got it? So, thirteen is good. You, 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 you can surround it. So, what he's saying now? These are the gifts Christ gave to the church: apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So, in that gamut of fivefold ministry, I'm telling you, you land on one of those. Every one of you in here land on one aspect of that. You are not without a ministry gift. You just need to see what your gift is. See what's around you. See what's been coming out of you naturally. What's your natural outflow? There is not a sick. He says, and he gave to some. And he divided up the whole body. And he called five areas. And he says, in this classification, every one of you land on one of those things. There's some of you in here with teaching gifts. There's some of you here in apostle gifts. Some of you here with pastoral gifts. Some of you here with, 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 with evangelistic skills. There's just things that... Every one of you possess, and you have to see the opportunity and seize the opportunity. Right? Developing faith in God among all people. That is a gift, Romans 10, 17. Hmm? What's Romans 10, 17? Everybody ought to know that one by heart. Something about accounted for faith, for righteousness. Faith comes by hearing, and what is heard comes by preaching of Christ. Romans 10:17. You get faith by hearing, and then you return, go do faith because of the things you hear. So it behooves you when you hear the word of God and you hear a message, go do what you heard. Go do it on Monday morning while it's still fresh. That would be one way to practice your faith. What you hear on Sunday, don't let grass grow under your feet, go do it Monday. As soon as you get home, here's an opportunity. Get on the phone and call a friend or something. Here's what we discussed in church today. Boom! And take off like a freight train. Talk about what you heard. Exercise your faith. Demonstrate your abilities. All right? Influence somebody. Be an influencer. One of the aspects, again, of what we do in kingdom building is teaching God's word. And you can find that in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2. Heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others 
So, not like a toot in my horn, but here's what Paul told his followers. He said, what you hear me talk about with regard to word and faith. He said, turn right around. And when you leave church, go tell that same thing to somebody else. What are the business we in? We're in the business of kingdom building. What is an element of kingdom building? Ah, I'll tell you. You haven't realized it yet. We are in the communications business. <laughs> Part of our business is communications. We are in the communications business. And better yet, so today, in today's world, I'm not a big fan of it and don't use it, but I don't discredit it because I see its value. You guys are social media savvy. Dude, take something you hear and put it on your page instead of all that other stuff that you put on your page. <laughs> when, I, when I used to have Facebook, you know, there are two reasons why I quit social media. Because of being hacked. Uh, and the other one was, I actually got embarrassed by my church members back then and the stuff they used to put on Facebook. It was... <clears throat> What's a good word for that? Bilge. Ever heard the word bilge? <laughs> it's an old word, bilge. A word that's close to it is vomit, vile. Bilge. No, no, not belch. Bilge. B-I-L-G-E. Bilge. Just defiling stuff. People put stuff on Facebook that it, it, it betrays your Christianity. There's something... You can't coexist with what you posted and what your life is. I just had a big, big problem with that. And every week having to correct members, did you see what your son posted? Do you see what your wife said? Is this, this, this is what you all have going on in your house that you put on Facebook? <laughs> That's, I quit. I said, Lord, there's one way I could get rid of this stuff. Get off. I don't want to have to be policing what my people putting on Facebook every single day. It's just, it's vile. It's vile, it's trashy, it's vile, it's vomit, and it betrays your Christian walk. If you're gonna put something on Facebook, may it be sustaining and positive and life-giving, you know, and encouraging and builds up and lifts up people. Don't put this trash about who do what, who went where, who saw who and who did what last night. That's, Listen, I don't want to know that. You want to come confess your sins? I'm ready for that, but that, that's just nasty. All right, enough on Facebook. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Use it as a force for good. Use your communication for a force for good. Use it as a force for good. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. Reason well, by this time you ought to be teaching others. You actually need someone to teach you over again the very first principles of God's word. You have come to need milk, not solid food. See, so that's what I just got done saying. At this point in your life, and I'm not talking to you because I don't know nothing about you on Facebook, because I'm not friends with none of you on Facebook. So <laughs> what I because I have no Facebook. So what I say here, if it hits you, just take it from the spirit because I, I don't have no clue what you put out there. But what I'm saying is simply this. Paul is saying, by this time in your life, you ought to be teaching the word of God and instead, you having to get correction how to be right. 
again and go back to the foundational things and the elementary. By this time, you should be so far advanced. That's what he's saying in Hebrews 5. By this time, you should be a profound teacher in the word. But instead, we have to take you back to the basics. Letting your life and your walk match up with your conversation. We shouldn't be there. We shouldn't be trashy people. We shouldn't take Facebook as, as, a, as a way of just attacking somebody in an impersonal way where they can't defend themselves really and then it goes out to millions of people in the ethosphere and the damage is done. Let me, let me, give, you how, let me give you an example of how, how, how terrible. Just imagine you had one of those pillows with the feathers and stuff, with the downy feather. Take one of those and go up on one of them high hills in Victorville. You know, we have all these hills in Victorville. And when the wind is blowing, and the wind is always blowing in Victorville, just, just empty that contents of that and watch it go in the wind. And then for a second right after, kind of go, oh my God, I need to get it back. And try to get it back. Try to run after those little feathers and get them back and put them back in the pillow. Can you do that? That's what you do when you put stuff on Facebook. You can't get it back. All right, you got 10 minutes to get up. <laughs> So my business is kingdom business. I got to be involved in evangelism. Got to be involved in spiritual maturity. I got to develop, develop, be involved in developing faith among God people. I got to be involved in teaching God's word. Infusing spirituality into all phases of life. Colossians 3.17. Colossians 3.17. Let me focus in on that as I wind up on these last few scriptures here. And, and whatsoever you do or say, Colossians 3.17, and whatsoever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. What, what am I supposed to do? I need to influence and infuse spirituality into my community. I need to be a representative, a true representative of Christ. I don't want anybody saying about me, he don't know God. He talked like he know God, but he don't know God. Do we have any friends like that? Who if we ask them in secret about you, they will kind of go like, yeah, I don't know about this church thing and him or her. I don't know about that. Let your light so shine. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. What is my business? This is my business. Ugh, my internet is slow. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. It's about doing good work, letting your light shine. Everybody got it? All right, that's what it's about. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. To really take opportunities before us, we must know what we are trying to accomplish. We need to keep a list of what we are trying to accomplish. Then we need an action list as to how we are trying to accomplish these items. Consider some opportunities before us. One of them is communication. Because of the failure of government and social programs and stuff that they have or lack of it 
life is somehow reduced for a lot of people. We must become an agent. One of the things I did in Texas and in Oklahoma is I had a food bank, a food pantry, more so in Texas than in Oklahoma. Texas it was really, really big. 10,000 square foot, millions of pounds of food. 162 churches I fed every week. I was a pastor, I was a minister, but there was a real, real need. And so I got involved in that and it just took off and we got donations from people, we got buildings donated, I had forklifts donated, 18-wheeler trucks going from place to place to bring in goods. It was a social program that was second to none. What were we doing? We were doing the work of Jesus. We were doing kingdom work. I was feeding people and the need is great. Love to get back in it. When I left Texas, since I wrote the program, I brought the manual with me. It's still at my house sitting now, waiting for an opportunity one day to start this ministry all again. I know how to run that ministry from every aspect of that ministry, from the front end, the volunteer end, you name it. That is a powerful ministry. Now, we have people here who like to go into the prisons and stuff, and some like to do hospital visitation. That's not my gig. Feeding people, that's my gig. Bringing clean drinking water to people, that's my gig. I like that kind of stuff. I ain't like the behind the bars stuff. <laughs> but some of y'all love it. Follow your passion. That's your ministry. Do it. Do it. People, we are in the people business. People should be our number one concern. We must revive the ability of individual members in our church to reach people. Those around you, those around your congregation. Remember what the FCS is? F is for friends, C is for co-workers, and F is for family. Put that in your head. Burn it in your brain. I am a part of the FCF. Friends, co-workers, and family ministry. That's what I do. Every opportunity I get, there's one of that group or two of that group around me at any given moment. If I walk into any crowd in my, in my circle, that's around me. There's friends, there's co-workers, there's families. I always have an opportunity to say something, do something, or share the kingdom of God. Share the kingdom. We are in the kingdom business. We are communicators in the kingdom business. We need to tell people about this thing that we do. The churches are empty or church is not where it should be because we are failing at our FCF ministry. Think about it. I know you have a friend other than the one right next to you. I know that, right? <laughs> No, not, not everybody raise your hand and volunteer at this point. But I know you have a friend beyond the friend sitting down right next to you that wouldn't have taken anything out of you to tell that person not something big and profound and just, hey, come go to church with me this weekend. We're in a series on moving forward. I think you might gain something from that. Then leave the rest up to me and my preparation and my study to reach them in Christ Jesus and share this message. All you got to do is Invite them. Start right there with an invitation. Hey, come go to church with me. I promise you're going to like it. Even if the preacher ain't preach good, we have food at the end of the service and the people fellowship. So we won't, we won't waste your time. At least we will feed you for all your efforts. If you didn't get nothing else, we have, what do we have today? Something. It smells like Mexican. But... <laughs> 
what we have today. So, if nothing else, come share a meal with us. <coughs> right? Come share a meal with us. I still maintain to this day, one of the principal things that we did when we started Life Church was something we did in the early days. Everybody brought food. No, I make a mistake. I'm talking about Life Church. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm saying. But in the early days, when we used to gather, we did this thing. We had everybody. Somebody brought two loaves of bread. Somebody bought a bag, bag of nacho. Somebody bought five tomatoes. Two person brought two heads of lettuce. And every Sunday after church, that was the only meal some people had for the entire day. And we would get down with the service. I'd get down with preaching. And we'd turn out the chairs. And we'd feed everybody. That thing drew people like a magnet. Whenever you break out with the loaves and fishes, they would come. They would come. But we don't have the place to do it here. You understand my desire to move out of here? To get to that place. So we could do that kind of stuff. It works. Understand the business we're in. We are in the people business. People need to eat. People need clothing. People need shelter. People need medicine. We can do those kind of things. We can provide those things. There are resources out there for us to get that stuff and redistribute it. My God, if I could take a 40-foot container all the way to Honduras and South America and different parts of the earth, can I not do that right here in Victorville? That's what we are. We are in the kingdom business. Seize the opportunities. Apadiem, seize the day, seize the moment. Dead poet society, seize the moment, seize the day. Grab a hold of something, open your eyes, look around you, see what's going on. See friends, see co-workers, see families. There is a field right around you that should be busting at the seams. If only you could take a couple minutes to seize the moment on any given day and tell somebody about the love of Jesus. You don't have to have four degrees or more degrees than a thermometer. You just have to have the word of God inside you. Some of y'all heard that and some didn't. <laughs> just seize the moment. Seize that moment. Can you go home today when you leave here and tell a friend about Jesus? Can you just, for your own sake, Seize the moment. Think about somebody who you hadn't spoken to in a long time and just call them and strike up a conversation. Hey, Mary, I hadn't seen you in a whole day. Oh my goodness, I just came from church and my pastor's talking about calling friends that you haven't seen in a while and you just popped in my mind and I just want to tell you what God's been doing in my life and the miracles and the testimony that we had in church this morning and how God is healing and restoring. And then I love it. I just start blabbing at the mouth about Jesus. Get them infused and get them excited about it. And then say, what you doing next Sunday? Well, I, I, I got a plan for you. Let's go to church. Seize a moment. I'm a Christian counselor because I believe in Christian counseling. Let me clear this up for you. I'm not a Christian who counsels. I am a Christian counselor. My methodology is the word of God. As a matter of fact, my degree says specifically theocentric counseling. That means God-centered counseling. Yeah. I use God-centered counseling to bring people to truth. Amen. I'm not a Christian that's counseling. I am a Christian counselor using Christian Amen. principles, Christian techniques, and Christian methodology, which is the word of God. Yeah. Theocentric, 
That's a big word. You know what it means? God-centered. That's what theocentric means. That's what it says on my degree. Theocentric, God-centered. I use what I have and what I know to bring healing to people every day of the week. Every opportunity I get, even in a counseling session, I lead it to Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, it's not my DSM-4. For those who know what DSM-4 stands for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, I have a five. I, I, I'm still old. Uh, yes, my, my DSM is a DSM-5, not a 4. Diagnostic Statistical Manual, I have a DSM-5, that's the latest version. It's not about my DSM-4, 5. It's not about that. <laughs> when I started in the industry, it was DSM-4. It's not about that. It's not about diagnosis. It's not about running you through eight things and you're failing in six, and then I go, okay, you are oppositional defiance disorder. Yeah, you fail in six out of eight stuff. Yeah, I'm going to classify you as ODD. I'm going to classify you as OCD because you're obsessive compulsive disorder because you failed in these four areas as I tested you. It's not about that. Who cares? That's just a thing. That ain't a thing. What I care about is that he's able to perfect that which he has called you to. That which he has called you to, he will perform in you and see it through to its completion. That's where I'm at. So all your OCDs and ODDs and DDDs and ODDs and DOG and all that stuff, it's nonsense, really. At the end of the day, I need to bring a life-preserving truth. That is my business. Are you getting me this morning? My business is kingdom business. My business is building the kingdom of God. Your business should be the kingdom of God. You should be in the kingdom of God business. You need to seize these opportunities and you choose now to be. You need to seize these opportunities you need to seize these opportunities seize them and since he went off it's time for me to go off I am done amen thank you I know you want more you'll get it next week I'm done <laughs> I'm in the kingdom we're in the kingdom business did you get my message this morning what, what was my message this morning? 